Welcome to the CEO Story, brought to you by KC Johan, founder of Together CFO, where every week we're interviewing the top CEOs in various industries, sharing their journey and extracting the top things that made them successful. Hey guys, we've got a fantastic episode today. We've got Ryan Williams. Ryan's got a fantastic past record with uh, companies like Sony, Apple, the New York Times, just to name a few, and also is uh, the co-founder and partner of Wonderman Apps. So thank you so much, Ryan, for taking the time to join us. How are you doing? Yeah, pleasure to be here. I'm doing great today. Thanks. Why don't we start by just sharing a little bit about Wonderment and what you guys do, and then we can get into your history and your background. Cool. Yeah, um, Wonderment, we've been around uh, for about five years. We started uh, as a couple of guys coming out of a startup together that, that uh, and a CTO and a, and a chief product officer. And then we decided to build a, uh, uh, a development company that was really focused on how we integrate great product into great tech. And, um, and the company evolved over the course of the time and has really grown. Uh, we worked on a uh, hundred plus projects in the last little bit. And, um, and really what we've discovered is, is that um, talent sits at the center of everything. And it's, it's been, it's been great to, to work with them. So our business now consists um, kind of of two lines, kind of the original vision of building um, products out from uh, scratch. So we do everything from product development to design uh, into technical development. Um, so all the coding uh, and then, and then we do the QA and then we launch it and manage it. Um, and that, that ranges from kind of small web projects or things like that to much more advanced technical software pieces that um, might use a, a lot of advanced technology. And we also, um, we also from that, we, we have a really great uh, staff augmentation business as well, where we resource amazing, um, amazing developers, amazing product developers, designers, and uh, QA engineers. And, um, and we make them available uh, to, to companies that have really well-built um, tech structures to them and, and just need the help. Uh, they can come in and they're highly trained and highly qualified and come in and just rock out projects for them within their environments. So yeah, that's that's kind of the the core of what Wonderman is, and and all of it, like kind of at the heart of it, we've uh, we've built in this this theory that um, we kind of all, all of the all the work that we do, we want to put that look of wonderment in somebody's eyes. So we really want it to be like high quality engineering that um, really is is delivers effectively and is just great to use. It's great for the users. And you can see the, the level of work just by looking at your website. It's, uh, and one of the best taglines is design like a butterfly, code like a bee. It really, uh, really resonates with me, that one. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's, it, it, and it speaks a ton about us, right? We really have the creative side um, on the design and product development. Um, and we take and translate that into like just, you know, that kind of like that bee coding, like, um, they, they, they work together to get things done and, and create something really robust and a powerful community. And, and um, that's kind of the magic of the company. It's we've done a great job of bringing those things together. Yeah, no, fantastic. Okay, so before we get straight into how you grew the company from zero to 30 plus employees and, and had all this fantastic success, it was obviously built on a really good solid foundation. So if we rewind back through your journey um, can we just start kind of at the beginning after you finished school at uh, UCLA and kind of went into the working world? Uh, you were more on the marketing side of things. And how did that kind of impact uh, where you are today and build a foundation for you and your co-founder to really kind of connect 
and add different elements to this business. Yeah, cool. Yeah, you know, you know, it's funny when I first got into out of UCLA and into the working world, the internet was still a relatively small thing. It just, it really hadn't. Um, so crazy to um, think that right now, isn't it? Without everything that we do today. Yeah, you never even really consider. I mean, unless you were really into computer science, you never really considered it as a potential career path. Certainly not what it is today. I mean, it's the foundation of, of so much of our communication. Um, but when I came out, I, I originally got in, into the film business, um, which is uh, which is pretty exciting. I worked with some some really great companies during that time and learned a lot about the way that media worked. Um, and uh, it was a, a fantastic like uh, handful of years of my life and. Um, took a lot away from that and I transitioned out of that into a pretty early stage social networking for business uh, website and um, and they were like hey we need somebody to do marketing here and I did have a little bit of background in that coming out of the film industry and uh, and I got my feet wet and it was a startup and it was a you know a, a startup in the 90s so it was a very unusual like getting to be in something that early so I experienced the first um, kind of web explosion um, web 1.0 and saw like, like I got into it kind of right as it was happening and saw like all the, the challenges and things that happened in there. And then, and then when it kind of busted and, and kind of rebuilt itself or reframed itself, um, I got to see kind of the rebirth of technology and how people were doing it again. And at that point, things became much, much more scalable and uh, we all learned a ton, right? So, um, and then, and then you started to see, Kind of this wild west mentality become um, a little more a little more synchronized into a true business but the thing i loved about it was the speed that you could create and put something live right it was always a thing that inspired me about it and it's still to this day i love that aspect of it is that the iteration um, possibilities are, are unlike few things that are out there so you can innovate put it out get feedback innovate again put it out get feedback and um and that part was is and always was exciting to me and so so, uh, so yeah, I started working for a, a startup uh, at that point, and we built the startup up. We were we we were purchased once by a, a company that owned like Hollywood Hollywood Media, which was owned uh, by Hollywood.com, and 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 kind of um, kept building tools within that industry, and ultimately merged in and joined the New York Times, where I worked for quite a while with them. And uh, and I really got to see at that point the way that uh, a major, you know, a major player in media was was taking really kind of smart interesting advances in in um in the way that 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 they were going to use the internet and the way they're going to do these things and i I just kept learning and kept getting deeper into um, the product process and learning how how to develop products how to put them out and how to make them exciting and then um yeah and from that like that was a a great learning working working in uh within that organization and then uh yeah after that i went back and worked at another startup which was an ad tech company and and then developed some other developer tools, um, one of which became pretty pretty big, um, as we we were we were acquired then by Apple, and uh, and and became this uh, a tool so called Let's talk on that for a second, Ryan. You've had yeah. two really big acquisitions or exits there. Yeah. What was it like going through that, and what kind of were the points that attracted those bigger companies in to uh, to buy your companies? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so I think I think in 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 both cases we were innovating in areas that they were both interested in in um, kind of exploring and getting into. I think on the um, on the New York Times side of things, um, they were playing with a lot of web properties at that point that were outside of their core brand. Like they owned About.com and 
um, a handful of other like notable web properties. And, and this, this particular property um, really put out a lot of data into a whole bunch of different um, sources out and into the, uh, like out across the internet. And so we do a lot of data licensing and have really smart things built around that. And um, I think they were just looking at like, okay, how much can we expand the, the total um, uh, accessibility in, in some of these kind of quadrants of where they did news. Um, and so I think as that kind of died down in that kind of 2008 turn and they shifted back to their main kind of like environments. Um, but it was, yeah, it was really like amazing to see the way that they weren't doing just news, but they were looking at the way that any kind of data played. And we were just a really good fit for that particular thing and, and had uh, some foundational relationships with them and integrations. Um, and then, and then with Apple, um, we just were doing really innovative stuff on mobile technology. That's, it, it's kind of comes down to that, like really advanced, innovative thinking about the way that, um, uh, that it kind of the earlier mobile technology um, could work with software and the way that developers could use the stuff that we were, we were building because we we're really ultimately building a set of tools for developers. So just really advanced engineering that they could tap into and then plug into Apple's whole environment. So, um, it, and, and then like that had reached well beyond just the companies that were using us, but, but really all the people that were on the iOS platform. So, um, so it, it really made sense. And, um, and they had a, we had one product in particular that that's turned, that's a core product for them, for their developers called test flight. Um, that is, uh, just, just been a powerhouse and it's, it's amazing to, to watch it go. But, um, it was an, it was amazing experience to, to see the, the kind of like innovation and, and, um, just powerful, powerful tool sets that that company offers to be able to um, become what they become. So let's look at that and then let's fast forward a little bit from there because then from there you, you were head of product management over at Avenue K um, and then started into more of the raw photography and some other companies. So how was that then at that point where you'd exited Apple um, or you'd, Apple had bought your company and you moved on to the next one, um, which was very different? How did you find that and what were the challenges that you faced at that point? Yeah. Um, yeah. So the third startup I was with was a fashion startup and it was actually, you know, it was a, it was a marketplace. So it was, it was my first real experience doing, um, e-com and marketplace and we did it at a very advanced level. Um, and, uh, that really had honed in on the e-commerce, um, aspect of things and how to, how to do really build a, a totally customized platform that was super powerful and, and had a lot. And it was a two-sided platform, so it handled sellers and buyers. And um, and it was it's a big piece of what we do. We work with a lot of companies who are doing that either in SaaS or in, in e-commerce or things like that now. But um, that that particular company, what we uh, big thing we learned is to to get a marketplace going, it takes it takes time. You really have to cultivate the relationships, especially on the seller side of the marketplace, so that you have great environments that if people want to come in and sell on your marketplace, that they have all the tools they need to do the power selling that they need and be able to help you acquire the buyers. Um, so there's a lot of, a lot of exploration in that. And I think, um, I, I yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting one. I think the other thing um, that, that you, you run up against with those is just like, um, how do you, how do you scale effectively? Um, so pick, picking up like some of the, um, some of the, the tools about where you put your money in, as you're growing in a startup and, and figuring that out. Those, those were some of the things we came up to, but like we had a, we had a really sizable audience um, until it just, we ended up having to shut it down. Um, and it felt like we might be able to flip it. Like we might be, it was getting there, but, but it never quite happened. Um, but it was a, 
was an exciting product and working in the fashion industry was really interesting. So what made you shut it down? We, we basically just, um, I, I think that it, it, the, some of the core formulas that had to be there for the marketplace to really blow up didn't seem like they were quite in place and it was going to take a while to keep experimenting to get to them. And I guess the owners probably just didn't have an appetite for that. Um, but that, that particular one, um, yeah, I think, I think if it had had a little more, a little more runway, it probably could have, we were trying to do some pretty innovative stuff with international fashion sales and, and thinking about that. So, you know, that's just the way those go sometimes. You just, yeah. you, you get them going and, and see if you that, can figure out the formula. That's a really good message as well is that even though you just had two huge exits, one to New York Times and one to Apple, it doesn't mean everything that you touch will obviously lead to success, right? It's always going to be ups and downs and that's perfectly fine. It's just part of the journey along the way. Yeah, there's, there's no, one of the things I noticed is like, uh, especially in those two earlier exits, we built really great stuff. It was, it was, it was awesome what we built. In fact, the one to Apple, like the technology was mind blowing. Um, but like, I, I will say like they were pieces that fit within those organizations at the time that they needed them. And really one of the things is like being out in front of trends as a startup is a really valuable thing. So like, so it, it being able to spot the innovation early and, and knowing that, and, hopefully as a CEO being able to forecast you're moving towards an innovation, I think it puts you in a good position to be in early conversations around that type of uh, business, but also like just be able to show off what you have and, and kind of have early stage adopters and champions who support you and kind of drive you through on the customer side is really valuable. Um, so I, I think, I think both those plays had that built into it and we're doing smart, innovative things. And, you know, I like these, these are just, these are, uh, these are, um, I think in Peter Thiel's book, uh, Zero to One, like he kind of talks about like kind of, su- I forget the exact term he uses, but like supercharged um, kind of like uh, innovations that really, really make a huge difference. They create exits. And uh, I, I, I think that's probably pretty true. You're, you're smelling out where the market's going and getting ahead of it as, a, as an entrepreneur. Got it. Okay, so now let's fast forward into Wonderment. Um, yep. Kind of focus a little bit more on that because the company that you co-founded right now um, started that five years ago, and within those five years, you've scaled it pretty quickly. What have been some of the uh, the key things that have been that had to happen for you to to kind of build that success quite quickly? Yeah, it's it's a good question. Um, uh, it it's been a, it's been a ride. And one of the one of the things I'll say to start is that my partner and I had quite a bit of experience going into this particular style of business, which is uh, um, an agency or service uh, service oriented business. So like as an entrepreneur, if you're starting a, a startup that's product oriented, um, there is some level, I think more room for mistake um, because you're usually coming in with investment and you're tinkering and experimenting a lot more. And, and the style of business that we're in, we have to execute almost immediately. Like it's, it's just a basic requirement. And to do that, you have to show that you know what you know. Um, so you're walking in and basically you're, you're helping organizations fill spots or fill needs that they have either on, um, uh, like hey, we need these projects done or these things have to happen and we can't help you a lot. You just got to do them. Um, or, or they need the level of consulting, which in a lot of, a lot of companies we work with are transitioning from non-technology into technology. They're, they're really just like 
feeling into it for the first time. And we're teaching them. We're literally the first teachers they have in this area. So, so um, our expertise and our guidance in those areas are, are pretty vital. We were ready for that. My partner and I were ready to be able to do that out of the gate. I think that was an important part of it. So we weren't just kind of like heads down in the code or the design or thinking about these things, but actually able to come in on a leadership level and, and guide the companies and say, okay, you want to do this and this. And, um, and so that, so like that kind of helped build up uh, a good relationship with a, a good starting base of clients. And, and then we have some bigger organizations that can bring the leadership to the table, right? So they start to see, okay, you guys are training developers the right way. You guys have the right insight on how to move into technical processes fast, things like that. And, we really have to be chameleons and it's, it's like um, I think like uh, a lot of times businesses are, are, are working to establish a name for themselves and an identity and stuff like that. We, we also have to do that as well, but we also have to be able to be chameleons and go in and really fit into systems effectively and, and, and hear what the needs are of the client and be able to adjust to the client and at the same time, give them some really good, um, we call them recommendations. So a lot of times they're like necessities, but we're always recommending like uh, that, whether that's going to be something that works or not. So having that foundation allowed us to get started in a safe way so we can make decisions along the way. And then as we took on clients, we really learned how an agency business works because kind of like that marketplace piece I was just talking about, this is a totally different model as well. So the business model, we, we, we didn't have an experience in and it took a lot of learning to understand the dynamics of the actual, um, the, the dynamics of the way the finances work, the dynamics of the way that everything from invoicing to receivables to like all, all of it was a completely different thing because we've been working in products. So um, I think understanding the core model of, of um, whatever business you're in is like as fast as you can understand that as an entrepreneur or, you know, obviously people who have been doing it for a while do get this, but um it's a vital, it's a vital piece. And, and so that was the biggest, like, kind of scary thing for us, I think. Yeah, I think it boils back to uh, having a solid foundation, really understanding each element of it. And I think you touched on this slightly, but education uh, is, is one of the best ways to bring in clients in terms of offering immense value, which I know you guys do a great job of. Um, Big part of our thing, yeah. Yeah, we, we spoke previously on, on that. So I think... Uh, that's a really good point in terms of how people can go about attracting the ideal clients is to actually give them rather than just trying to sell them something is to help educate them and add real value to them, make their lives easier. Yeah. And I think like, and I think there is the notion of adding value, which I know is kind of a catchphrase in the industry. And it's, and there's also this spot too, where we're in a business where it is really confusing. Just people genuine. People are genuinely not in full comprehension of how the whole thing works and how the system works. And like, I have a very, I have a very basic. I'll give you a very quick version of it. But I have a, a very basic way that, um, and I think this is good for any, any, especially sales teams or thing, you know. But like simplifying your business message into a digestible, you know, bite for people to understand. But for us, I'm like, we're basically like um, a construction firm. And we have an architecture arm to us and we can, and, and I kind of go into a, a, the way that, that technology really maps to like building a house, right? So you, you have the foundation layer, which is the data, you have the walls that are, that are up, um, kind of the, the skeleton of the walls and the, the plumbing behind it, which is the kind of the back end or server side development side of it. And then you've got the nice walls in the front, the drywall and everything, which is the front end. And then you have the graphic design or the interior design of the building. And you put all these pieces together and you're literally constructing a digital building, 
you know. I really like that. That makes a lot right. of sense and kind of pieces it together in a really good analogy and a good story that people can kind of visualize, right? Yeah, and, and right off the bat, people are like, oh, okay, I can like hook into that. And it's relatively complex business. So there, there are a lot of, a lot of innovation going on. Oh, it's very complex. I, I have no idea. Yeah. When I see code on a screen, it's like reading hieroglyphics <laughs> to me. Yeah, it's, it's like literally a different language, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, well, that's really good. And then uh, can we just touch on the point of you and your co-founder having such different backgrounds but being able to kind of connect and run the organization and having that balance? Like best decision of my life. I can tell you that I, you know, you know, what's funny is we're very different, um, but we have such a great communication system between us and we, you know, we have our, we have our partnership things that we sometimes get into, but like generally, generally it, it is excellent because there really is like our business itself. There's, there's a um, kind of more creative sales partner in there and there's a, there's an operational technical partner in there. We kind of have the personality types that fit those things. So um, so we really like together though, we collaborate super well and, and like that collaboration is, is kind of, um, really pushed throughout the entire organization as a, as a key part of, um, how, how we have to work and what, for what we do creative as, as Apple taught me creative and technology meeting together. And if they do it effectively, it's an extremely powerful thing, but with two business partners, it's kind of the same thing. You get a lot, you get a lot of breadth from um, having these two sides and two people that respect and trust each other. And um, it's been, I, my, my partner has like been an incredible, incredible ally and, and, and challenges me in ways that like I don't expect. And I think I challenge him in ways that he's, he's like, okay, I'm up for it. Let's do this. But like that, our, our willingness and ability to go into that has been at the foundation of us to be able to grow a company like we have. And um, I, it's, it's been a great experience. Yeah. You, you talked about technical uh, marketing and operations, but what about the finance side? So you guys bring like technical and marketing sales experience, but on the finance side, how did you bridge that gap? Because from what I understand, none of you were finance experts going into this. Yeah. Well, the good news is I have some level of expertise because I was doing so much product management over the course of time. And a big part of that is actually managing the um, P&Ls of individual products. And I was doing those for pretty large scale companies as well. So like um, I, I, I really was taught well on how to do a product centric, you know, um, finance management and projections and doing so. So I had some and I've been able to leverage some of it. Um, but where we ran into problems and we've really, we've really had to like learn how to reach out and get help in, in some of the more advanced finance areas is the model itself is different than some of the areas we've run into. So we make, we make guesses and then, um, and I think we've paid for it once or twice by making um, the wrong, the wrong kind of finance estimations or, or projections. And, um, and then we realize, okay, it's vital to have like those kind of people surrounding us that can, that can help out. So a lot of our kind of foundational, just um, administrative financial management stuff happens in house. We have, we have a team that does that. And then we work with a couple of really good, um, uh, really good, uh, partners that, that come in and, and are just experts in this stuff, right? So we, we know they're way better than us. Um, and that's really, really what we're looking for is somebody that can out talk either myself or my partner in this area and, um, and not even out talk, but can actually show it on the page and, and have it make sense. The good news for us is because of what we do, we're extremely, extremely analytical and we're able to break down and assess things. So 
we're a really good checkpoint, but um, a lot of the more innovative finance and stuff like that that's got to happen to be able to do smart projections on resourcing or smart projections on um, uh, the way that we're going to like a- a- approach a project. And, and, you know, that that's really been, we've had great help with that over the course of time and, and yeah, it's been worthwhile. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, a lot of people get bogged down with the number side of thing, the cash flow specifically. And it, it is a really good way to kind of, mitigate a lot of the cost of a finance person because it can be quite expensive. So bringing someone in on a part-time basis as and when needed makes a lot of sense. Yeah, we, we've been looking at, we have like a part-time CFO who comes in and does like that level. We don't need it all the time, but we do need, when we need it, we need him to know our business. We need him to like answer some, like basically we give him really challenging problems to go after, you know, and think about um, the rest of it. The rest of it, our admin team's pretty well equipped to do and can rock through and great software and, and you know great basic financial elements like bookkeeping and um all the administrative management but we do have a lot of moving parts in our company with diff- so many different people so like that and hr and um some, some of these other kind of secondary elements we've had to um have a combination of of um people in-house and really good kind of high level assistance awesome great well ryan thank you so much for your time if people wanted to reach out to you or check out your website what's the best way for them to do that yeah, um, we're at www.wondermanapps.com. Um, you can find us on uh, LinkedIn under Wonderman Apps as well. Um, and then my LinkedIn personally is uh, RyanL812. So you can hit me up there directly. Right. And we'll leave the link to that just below here. So if you want to reach out to Ryan, uh, just hit the button. Ryan, thank you again for all your time and the constant uh, nuggets of information you shared. You've been fantastic. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.